The views and opinions expressed in this presentation by the hosts and guests are those of the individuals providing them and do not necessarily reflect those of the production company or distributors. Tina Mapleroyanza, and we're here with episode two of Two Old Chicks Who Know a Lot of Shit. I'm here with my partner, my friend, my co-host, Wanda Lloyd. How you hey, doing? Hey, Tina. Hey, I'm fine. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you very much. Uh, thanks for joining us, everyone. And uh, we're ready to share some stories and wisdom. So we're ready to get started. Oh yeah, we're ready. So I know you were born. You were born ready, right? I was born <laughs> ready. You know I was. Hey, so Tina, you know I get some of my best thoughts when I'm walking the dog. Uh -huh. And so the other day I got this idea that we should add a segment called the check-in, mm -hmm. and that is we're going to just check in. What are we doing? What's up in our lives? And so we want to introduce our listeners to a segment. This this segment it's a little bit about what's going on uh, and. How, and what defines us as in our in our season years. So some of our check-ins will be personal. Some of them will be about the work we're doing, whether that's writing, speaking, publishing, marketing, or or working on this podcast. So Tina's check-in is going to be sticky notes. It's called sticky notes. So as we were working on our book, meeting at the table, uh, Tina kept talking about all these sticky notes, but she keeps her notes all over the walls and the doors and the cabinets and the and the desk. So Tina, what's on your sticky note this week? Well, my sticky note this week is all about business. You know, we say in our title that uh, we're two old chicks who know a lot of shit, but we're also two old chicks who do a lot of shit. So this week I am taking, I had to use a big post-it because it's down south press business. This is my publishing business. So I have to, from time to time, put on different hats. And sometimes, Wanda, we have to wear the same hat at the same time. But this is for me to respond to an order that's a multiple order of uh, Meeting at the Table, the book that Wanda and I co-edited in uh, Down South Press, my publishing company published. And it says that it's going to ship 12 copies. And for us, we're a small publishing company. So that's a really big order. That's a good order mm -hmm. for us. So I'm excited about it. And I wanted to get right on it today. Okay, that sounds good. What about you? So um, while you rely on sticky notes, I rely on my calendar, my, my Google calendar. I put everything on the Google calendar. And I may have introduced you to the Google calendar because now I'm putting your stuff on the Google calendar. The stuff that we do. The, I was just about to tell <laughs> No, I have to tell them this. You know, you. This is another another example of Wanda and me being East and West. Uh, Wanda swears by her Google Calendar. I, of course, like to either write something down uh, on a on a real calendar. Wanda sent me a real calendar, like from a funeral home or something, uh, as a as a joke, and I used it last year. So, but then you uh, lost it, didn't you? Huh? 
Then you I lost did, it, didn't you? I did indeed. So I like the sticky notes, but Wanda likes her calendar. And but she's brought me around. That's the good thing about us. She's brought me around to her side. I see the value in in some of Google things, and uh, she even puts. Uh, you know, I, I tell her I'm going to be doing something later on. I'll look on my Google Calendar, and she's put it on there. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so my calendar. Um, this Sunday, I'm going to be speaking to a, a church youth group. And so um, I have a friend, her name is Linda, and Linda and I met when we were, oh gosh, we, it was in 1966. It was between our junior and senior year in high school. And we didn't go to the same high school, but we met at a, a workshop, a journalism workshop. She was working for her, her school newspaper. I was working for my high school newspaper. And so we've been friends all this time. So when Linda called and asked me if I would speak to the youth in her church, you know, when you have a longtime friend like that, you know, you and I are in the same situation, you say yes. And so yes. I'm going to be talking okay. to, yeah, I'm going to be talking to these young people. Most of them are high school students, but some of them are younger. And I'm going to talk about some of my school experiences uh, in Savannah, some of the things I wrote about in my memoir, Coming Full Circle. I'm going to talk about the family I created. That's a chapter in my book. And because it's about um, something that happened in my youth. Linda wanted me to talk about that. But most importantly, I'm going to be talking about the importance of telling their own stories. Young people need to learn that they can really tell their own stories. And they don't have to tell their stories in print the way you and I did it all the time. They can write them, and we hope they will. But sometimes they can do a video. Sometimes they can do audio. There are just so many ways. They can do a podcast. Uh, on their own, and the technology will allow them to do that. So that's on my calendar coming up in the we next week. Well, also, you know, also, Wanda, you're telling them about their stories is important because young, young people don't even know they have stories. They that's don't think true. they have stories. Yeah, so, yeah. and I'm going to be telling them to talk to their elders, talk to their their old chicks and guys in their family because Absolutely. we should. they shouldn't let those stories uh, go by without and talking to, listen, to them. Yeah. To listen yeah. to what they have to say. That sounds yeah. good. Yeah. Sounds so, good. so that's the check-in for this episode. Um, we'll be hearing more of Tina's sticky notes and Wanda's calendar. So, Tina, our first segment today is the power of mentoring. So why don't you get us started with the power of mentoring? I sure will. You know, mentoring is, is, is a subject that's just near and dear to both of our hearts. Uh, uh, we've had different experiences in having mentors or looking for mentors or finding them, but both of our experiences have been the same in uh, mentoring young folks. Uh, it's just uh, a, a wonderful thing. I call my little mentees, my little schoolgirls. My mother, uh, who had five children and loved being a mother, uh, looked forward to the end of summer when we went back to school. And so by August, she was sick of us. And she would uh, she would dance around our beds as it got close to the September in school time uh, with singing this old Elmo James uh, song called Hey, Hey, Little Schoolgirl. And she would dance around the bed saying, Hey, hey, little schoolgirls, your butt's in bed now, but you're going to have to get up and hit the grit soon and go to school. Or oh, we would cover our ears and scream and go, Oh, no, no, don't say that. Don't say that. 
Well, you know, that's how I feel about my little school girls, like my mother felt about us. That she really loved us, but when it was time to work, it was time for us to get our butts up and work. It was time for us to go to school and do what we were supposed to do. And I feel that same way about my little school girls. You know, I really love them, but I'm, you know, it's it's tough love. It's it's the way my mother felt about us. Come on, you want we want you to to uh, know things. So my my. I love my little school girls and my little mentees uh, in a tough way, in a guiding way, in an instructional way. But I hope it's all, you know, all love. And it's uh, almost magical for me the way that I find my little school girls. You know, I've gotten together with with all of my little school girls um, in in different ways. Sometimes I run across them, you know, in my daily you know, life or in my daily work, my daily business life, in my literary life, in my publishing life. And I recognize them immediately. It's just something about them, Wanda. You know, there's some kind of spark there, you know. Yeah. And, it, and I and it's that spark that only I recognize, you know, and that, that we share. There's some curiosity there. I love for my little school girls to be curious. I love for them to be bold and to ask questions. Uh, uh, but, but really, it's just the feeling that I have. I just know immediately that they're for me. I give them my, if I feel that way, I give them my contact information and I, you know, I wait and see what happens. You know, sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't, but it's, it's rarely not worked out to tell you the truth. Cause I really got it down to a, 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 a sort of um, science. Yeah. I mean, even though it is a magical science, you know? Uh, so you know, we, uh, we we I give out my contact information, and if they if they reach out, you know, then you know, then we we start something. You know, I very seldom do I reach out because I really want them to take the first step. If they're really interested in 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 being onto my mentorship and knowing about writing or knowing about gardening or knowing about whatever I have to tell them. Um, right now, I have a, a little schoolgirl. My latest little schoolgirl is Sonia. And Sonia lives in New York State, uh, but she found me while visiting relatives in Georgia on this tiny island off the coast of Georgia, 12 miles by four miles, while she was visiting relatives down here. And we met through someone that neither one of us knew when she came down here, you know, and she's my joy. You know, she, her accomplishments are my accomplishments. You know, I know, I know how it feels to, you know, to be a mother through my little schoolgirls and her, their dreams and their hopes and their fresh view, uh, whether they're young little schoolgirls or I have little schoolgirls who are my age, uh, you know, whether they're young or whether they're our age or whether they're in the thirties or, or whatever, the, the wisdom I think that we have to share with them is our gift to them. And it's all about reciprocity because I've gotten back so much more from my little school girls than, you know, that I ever, ever could have given them. In fact, and we're working with one of your little school girls right now, aren't we, Gina? That's what I'm about to say. Oh, uh -huh. The person who's responsible for this podcast, we would never have it if it were not for our producer, Kara Walker, who is one of my little school girls. She's been one of my little school girls since 2004. Mm -hmm. And here she is making this dream possible for us. I'm telling you, the little school, my little school girls are the gifts that keep on giving. Good. Well, you know, I, as long as you've been talking about your little school girls for, you know, ever since we, you've been a writer, you've been talking about them. And I never knew that story about your mother and that little really? father. Oh. But no, you never told me that. So I did not know that. But you know. So, huh? 
I said, what do you know? You well, know, and know. Always, yeah, it's always very interesting to us when yeah. we come up with something. Wanda told me something about her husband, I think. Oh, I mean, shouldn't say that, but he did. But I had never known it before. And I was like, oh, this is a, this opens up a whole new world. Yeah, yeah. As long as we've known each other, we still have a lot to learn about each other. So I call my, my young ones, and most of them are young, <laughs> uh, my mentees. And I, um, and I have so many. And you know what? I actually used to call them my children. And then I worried about whether my daughter would get offended. I used to make speeches and I would say, my children find me everywhere or I find children everywhere. I really was calling them my children, but I decided to change that a little bit. And so I've you know, gone back to mentees. And so, um, but my children really do find me everywhere. My mentees, my mentees um, followed me around at journalism conventions. Um, they find me, of course, in newsrooms. A lot of them find me when they used to find me when they would come to my newspaper and uh, interview for a job. And sometimes they weren't even interviewing for a job in my department in the newsroom. And they were, you know, they would, someone would have them come in, in the newsroom and talk to me. And they just stuck with me the rest of their lives. They're still in touch with me. So, <laughs> you, can't, you, know, well, you can't lose them. That's the truth. You, you, definitely, you can't lose them. And I, don't, and I don't want to, you know, I, I want to keep the ones that are doing really, really well. I know. And so, you know, a couple of mine are um, that I'm, are very special to me. One of them, oh my gosh, it had to be back in the late 80s, maybe. I went to Jackson State University on uh, for business. I was doing some work, some sort of kind of consulting there. And this young lady, uh, I think she was in her junior year, she might have been a sophomore, she stood outside the meeting room, and when I came out, she just was all over me. She was like, I applied for an internship at USA Today. You sent me a letter. You wouldn't give me the internship. You told me I didn't have the experience. And she literally backed me into a classroom. Her name is Stacy. She backed me into a classroom, and she asked me to just take a seat so she could tell me why she should have an internship at USA Today. Well, of course, by the time we finished, she had an internship at USA Today. <laughs> but even more than that, she's been my mentee, my friend. Now she's actually mentoring me in some ways because she is a, an author and she's done, I don't know, maybe a dozen books and uh, after journalism, uh, post-journalism. And so she has been mentoring me in, in many, many ways. And so Stacy is one of the people that when I tell her or suggest that she do something, she does it exactly as I suggest, and the outcome is always good. Yeah, and there have been some, there have been some yeah, it is. Some, there have been some highs in her career, and there have been some lows in her career. And so we sort of work through that together. Another very young person that I'm working with right now is a young lady named Zoe. So her, she's, she's at, um, a reporter at the Greenville News at this moment. She's about to change jobs. Um, but her boss called me, I don't know, a couple of years ago and said, I have this young lady. She needs a mentor. I see a lot of potential in her. She's going to be a leader someday. Would you, would you allow her to just gain some of the knowledge that you have? And so we've been Zooming for all these months. And literally, she came to Savannah last week. And we literally had the first face-to-face -face meeting last week. 
But again, she's someone who is, 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 she does exactly, you know, she does it the right way. And she too has had some highs, you know, we worked through her resume, we worked through her, her plan for her career, we worked through what she wants to do in terms of, you know, does she want to cover government or does she want to cover politics, does she want to cover justice, and we really worked through all those issues together. So it's really important that we as seasoned people, uh -huh. um, I think, take on these young people and help them in their careers. I think that's really important. Absolutely. You know, one of our models is the babies ain't got to learn the hard yeah, way. Yeah, we've already done that. Got to learn the hard way. We can, we, we can help them. Well, Wanda, you know, you, you and I could talk about uh, a mentoring all day. Uh, and we will be talking about it uh, from time to time in, in upcoming shows because we do believe it's just that important. However, mm -hmm. one of our friends and an essayist and, uh, from Meeting at the Table uh, brought up a fascinating uh, question. This is uh, Peachy Wimbush Polk. Mm -hmm. And we will talk. She's somebody who's very wise. She's younger than me, but she's very wise. And uh, she's a new friend. We've just, you know, met met with the with the book. And uh, I go to her from. I find myself going to her from time to time. But what she brought up again is, you know, where does the mentor go to get? Mm. Her? So where do you go? I I go to I go to my peers for the most part. You know, uh, young people I find can give me a different view some, sometimes. But when I really need, you know, to talk with somebody, I need some kind of guidance. I usually want somebody who's lived a little bit longer. So I usually go to someone, you know, uh, my peer or around my age, or even somebody who's worked in that particular field, for instance, for a long time. They could be in their thirties. They could be in their twenties. You know, I mean, if I don't know anything about it, they know more than I do. Uh, so, but most of the most of the time, I look to uh, women who are gentle and who are kind. Uh, I think that's pretty much all I'm looking for. <laughs> you know, because what I'm looking for in a mentor isn't always a uh, professional; it's usually uh, personal. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. I think of, I think of mentoring as prof more professional, but mm -hmm. I have to say that there are two people that I'm. I consider mentors in different ways. One was my mother, and you met my mother, you knew my mother because we were roommates at Spelman, and she would come come to Spelman and spend some time with us. Glamorous Gloria, girl, she turned my world around. You mean to tell me there's black women who travel the world in these beautiful suits with fur collars, you know, the business deals. I I really had she was the first uh, you know top executive kind of person that I knew of who was a you know woman of color who wasn't mm -hmm. running a business, you know, who wasn't running a, a you know a, a funeral home or a, a hairdresser, you know, shop who had yeah. a, yeah. had she, a was a, she was she was a buyer. So and she worked for the Army and Air Force Exchange Service. So I didn't really rely on her professionally until after she retired and as I was rising through the ranks in my career and became mm -hmm. a, a a senior person um she was really a mentor for me because she had she had done some of the things that I was trying to do. She had had some of the experiences. And so she would tell me stories about how sometimes they would trundle her out because she was the only black person in the organization and they wanted to be sure she was in the pictures. Yes, exactly. When, you know, when, when, or when somebody 
And she was she was a, a, a woman of height of stature like yourself, right? Yeah, she was a yeah. tall woman also. Or sometimes somebody would come in from I don't know the Pentagon or something to the um to their office and they would say, Well, let's get Gloria to come into this meeting, you know, even if it wasn't her area. And so she had to, you know, she um informed me that people are gonna rely on me because they're gonna see me as a person that will advance someone else's agenda because they'll because I'm there people will think oh well they're you know they're considerate of diversity even though that might not be my job at the time but I really, really relied on her for a lot of businessy kinds of things uh, as my career began to, to to rise but the other person I rely on and you know who that is this is my 38 year old top of the millennials daughter Shelby who <laughs> Um, when I want to know what the young folks are saying, she'll tell, she'll give it to me fast and straight. And so she's you know, another Shelby, one. Is, Shelby is the reason that we have the title that we do have for uh, for yeah for yeah. two old chicks. Yeah, because you know I was, I was reluctant, and Shelby laughed out loud. She said, "Oh my God, my friends will love this." And so far, that's uh, that's true. Said, however, that's, that's the however, don't change a word. Yeah, yeah, but there were, there were, I won't, you know, I won't belabor this, but the, but eventually there were a couple of um, men in my career who were in my company who were very supportive, and I guess I would call them mentors as well. But I really didn't have professional mentors when I was very new in the business because I'm one of the oldest black journalists I know, and so there really wasn't an opportunity for me to have a professional mentor who is African-American, a role model, I guess, someone who looked like me. And there were no women, there were no people of color working in daily newspapers or television in my community in Savannah when I was a young person. So yeah. this whole notion of mentoring came to me late in life, uh, sort of mid-career. So that's kind of my, my mentoring story, and. Um, I'm just really pleased that I've had the opportunity to touch so many lives. Yeah, it's a joy. It's such a joy. I'm just telling you. You know, it just comes back. It comes back uh, at you in waves. And as the, and as they're, you know, as the, I, I feel like I'm. They're going out into the world, and as they do these wonderful things, it's like a pebble in the pond. In the pond, you know, these are all these ripples that come back to us. You know, you you just had one recently of one of your little school girls and really achieving uh one of your mentees achieving something and it yeah. does it, it 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 informs us all it informs us all that's wonderful Gosh. well thank you okay. yes, that is true the first thing that i learned from miss tina is to surround yourself with like-minded people and build those relationships first I'm Stacy Hawkins Adams, author and former journalist. The first time I met Wanda Lloyd was during my sophomore year of college when she chatted with me about an internship opportunity under her leadership at USA Today. Typically, she hired journalism students with a bit more experience than I had, but she gave me a chance and I thrived under her guidance. She was impressive, generous with her wisdom, thoughtful and strategic, yet also approachable all those years ago. And those are the same gifts of character and heart that she leads with today. So Tina, this month is uh, June. It's uh, Pride Month, where the, those in the, in the uh, Pride community are celebrating. And we have a special guest. As we were putting together 
meeting at the table. Gosh, I almost said coming full circle. Can I get those books mixed up? Yes, we were putting together meeting at the table, which is a collective of 15, uh, 16 really essays um, uh, about social justice, but about sharing information about our experiences as African-American women. Um, we had the pleasure of working with someone that is going to be with us tonight. So I'm going to introduce Karen Hawkins. She is, uh, she says in her bio, she says she's grateful every day that she gets to be rebellious for a living. She is co-publisher and co-editor-in-chief of the Chicago Reader, as well as the owner and founder of feminist media company, Rebellious Magazine for Women. She also co-hosts, I know you like that name, Rebellious, you're always talking about it. I love it. I want to be a rebel. <laughs> she also co-hosts two podcasts, Of Course I'm Not Okay is one of them, and Feminist Erotica is the other. She has a bachelor's degree in journalism from the University of North Carolina at Urbana-Champaign and a master's degree from Northwestern University's Medill School of Journalism. Her journalism background includes positions with the Associated Press and the Windy City Times. She's also a national board member for NLGJA, the Association of LGBTQ Journalists. Karen is a lifelong Chicagoan and she, she lives in the uh, downtown area of Chicago with her partner and her favorite photographer, Samantha, and get this, Tina, I and their two elderly cats. Her essay at Meeting at the Table was entitled Leaving Pieces of Myself at the Door, and I had the pleasure of, of editing her, and she had the, the um, responsibility of explaining to me exactly what that means, leaving pieces of myself at the door. But I'm really happy to share this, excited to share this. Last month, Karen accepted the 2021 Studs Turbo Community Media Award. And in her acceptance speech, she described herself as a, mouth, a mouthy black lesbian feminist journalist. So congratulations, Karen. We are very proud of you. And let's bring on Karen Hawkins. Hey, Karen. Hey. Hello, y'all. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, so yeah. so good to, to have you. Yeah, and to, and to actually see you, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because I edited Karen on Zoom, I think. But, Tina, you didn't have that opportunity. So no, no, I didn't. No, I didn't. Zoom. I only, yeah. I only know you, Karen, I only know you through your work. Isn't oh. that a wonderful thing? <laughs> well, I... Thank you so much. I appreciate that. I can't wait for us to meet in person someday. Fingers oh, crossed. My goodness. Soon, not someday, soon. That's my <laughs> that's my new favorite word. Uh-uh. Well, someday ain't promised till soon. I'm gonna get a hug soon. <laughs> I said I probably was gonna go on a hugging and kissing to a uh, you know, when it's when it's all when it's all clear. I'm ready to kiss some babies and hug some kids. <laughs> so Karen, happy Pride Month. <gasps> Thank you very much. Happy Pride yeah. Month to y'all. Thank, Thank you, you very much. So let's get into our discussion with you. We couldn't pass up this opportunity um, without talking to you or about uh, the LGBTQ community. So I read some stats recently on um, how states do or do not protect gay uh, people from discrimination. And one of the things that I've learned is that there are 27 states that do not prohibit discrimination based on sexual orientation and gender identity. So considering where we are in 2021, 
tell us what does this year's uh, Pride Month mean for you, and uh, what are we celebrating, and what still needs to be done? Wow, how long do I have? Oh my goodness. <laughs> So, uh, you know, I mean, that statistic is sobering. And whenever I hear them, it hits me like it hit me the first time, you know, it, it hit me like it hit me when I realized that I was a lesbian, like, oh, God, this is going to be really hard. Right. And and I just think we do have so far to go. And I think we as a community use pride to celebrate where we've come from uh, and how many strides we've made. But I as you said, it's really important to also talk about where we need to go and for me, this year in particular, pride feels very hopeful and pride feels like hopefully an opportunity for all of us living at many intersections to finally be embraced in a bunch of different communities. To me, pride this year means hopefully Black communities are more willing to consider us as part of their communities. And, you know, I heard someone kind of talk about all Black Lives Matter, kind of borrowing this terrible all lives matter, but making it all black lives matter. Like, yes, when you say black lives matter, you have to meet, you have to include queer and trans and non-binary folks in that too. You can't just talk about straight folks. So I am hoping that pride this year is an opportunity for us to be more accepted in the black community and for the LGBTQ community to do better by its people of color. And there have been so many reckonings that have happened, of course, across so many industries and so many places. And I really see this as an opportunity for us to continue the conversations that started last year and to, to build on where we've come from. You know, Pride in Chicago, I'm living in Chicago, and as you mentioned, and our Pride Parade got pushed from June to October. And I really am hoping that um, by then we will have continued these conversations and that Pride this year will be more inclusive and more welcoming and more fun and more rainbow colored than ever before. Oh, good. You know, when you wrote your essay, um, you started with, I don't have it in front of you, but sort of a phrase that said, when you go to the Black Journalists Conference, you were not accepted by Black journalists. Oh, no. Because no. of your status. So, mm -hmm. you know, you referenced that a little bit, being more accepted by the Black community. That one of the major issues, do you think? Absolutely. Well, you know, you know, Karen, I'm just listening to you. I'm thinking that that if you surround yourself with the same kind of people who are kind of your kind of people, you never know all the people in your community who are, you know, who don't think the same way that you do. That is absolutely true. Yes, and I, I mean, I think. That is true, and I think it is also true that we all know queer people in our communities, mm -hmm. but we just think, well, you know, mm -hmm. they're that way and we don't talk about them, mm -hmm. right? Like, oh, everybody knows that person's that way. I'm thinking, you know, the stereotype of the hairdresser, the choir director, we all know about these folks and we just don't talk about it. Mm -hmm. And I want to create a world in which those folks can talk about their partners and their spouses and their lives and be their whole selves. You know, I think that was my essay was about was being able to bring your whole self to every space that you're in. You know, I went to the Black Journalist Convention and realized that I could not really be out as a lesbian there and feel comfortable. So now I'm hiding that part of myself and I want to create an environment where we all get to be all of who we are all the time. Yeah. Is that why you created Rebellious Magazine? Absolutely. That is absolutely why, <laughs> because, you know, I, I came from the mainstream media where that was not true. I was just going to say, tell us a little bit about 
about Rebellious Magazine. Oh, thank you for asking. <laughs> so, okay. Hey, before you do that, let me just say that there is a really big storm going on. So if I get disconnected, it's because the power is flickering. So tell us about the magazine. <laughs> oh, no. All right. I hope everything's all right. Yeah, okay. yeah. So uh, Rebellious Magazine, I founded Rebellious nine years ago as I was leaving my job with the Associated Press. And I really wanted an opportunity to tell stories in my own way and to have other at that time women tell stories in their their own stories in their own way and we really started being about personal essays uh it was really important to me right that there not be all of these layers of editors and folks to filter people's stories and nine years later we have women we have non-binary folks we have trans folks we have gender non-conforming folks and we have expanded beyond personal essays to news and politics we are really strong on arts and culture we cover the comedy community for instance we thank you field foundation of illinois we have a grant to cover sexual health and reproductive justice. So we've expanded what we're doing. We will continue to expand. And it's just been really exciting, frankly, to have survived. I have watched so many publications come and go in the last nine oh, yeah. years. Mm -hmm. And everybody gets excited about the new shiny thing. And we coalesce around the new shiny thing. And then it's a flash in the pan. And so to still be here nine years later, growing and evolving feels amazing. Wow. Yeah. That's good. Well, I, t I tell you, uh, we were talking about mentoring earlier. I kind of wish I could claim you as one of my little school girls. <laughs> I got it, I got it, I got it, I got it. <laughs> oh, yeah, come on, get back, get in line, Wanda. That's right, that's right. Get in line. Oh, gosh. Uh, well, you know, well, when we were, we were when we were talking about the show, you know, and we and we, and we looked up, you know, and we were talking about June, we were talking, you know, about LBG. QT uh, issues. We were talking about the people that we love, mm. who are gay and who love other 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 people that we love, you know. And we wanted to include something in the show because we're allies, and we want the world to know that we're allies, you know. And uh, if we just don't love you. We're allies. <laughs> <laughs> we're allies, and, and and we're happy to have you here. Just really happy to share you with the world. So Karen, how can we help? What I mean, and I don't mean Tina and me, I mean the, the, the greater community. How can we help? There are a couple ways you can help. So of course you can support Rebellious Magazine. We are a state nonprofit. We uh, are run by the Feminist Media Foundation. You can donate to the Feminist Media Foundation. If you go to rebelliousmagazine.com, you can find where to contribute, to donate. Donations are tax deductible. And you can also support NLGJA, the Association of LGBTQ Journalists that I'm on the board of. That is a nonprofit. You can donate to NLGJA. You can offer to mentor students. Um, there are so many ways to be involved with them. And of course, I should mention the Chicago Reader. My main employer, Re Rebellious, is my passion project. It's my baby. But my, my day job is at the Chicago Reader, which I also love. We are also a nonprofit at chicagoreader.com. You can also donate there. And also, you can help by being allies as you two are, I can't tell you how much I appreciate being here and getting to meet y'all both on Zoom and um, being included in your June celebration. And I just encourage people to support the LGBTQ folks in their lives and the folks who might be struggling with being ostracized by their families or marginalized. Just um, reach out to folks. It really means a lot. Great. Well, I've been a part of LG, uh, NLGJA for since it was created. Um, I've been to conferences, I've been mentoring people, I've been a speaker there, so I support that as a journalist and I 
hope the best for that organization and all the organizations, including your magazine, moving forward. So thank you so much for being here today. Thank yeah. you for having me. I appreciate y'all. And congratulations on launching this podcast. This is amazing. Wow. Tell me about it. Oh well, you're God. the old pro at it. You already have two podcasts, so. Well, thank you so much. You made it very special for us. And, and I know you made time for us, so I appreciate that. Thank you. Absolutely. And we talked about mentoring earlier. So if you're still looking for a mentor, <laughs> if, if Wanda doesn't suit you, you got another one over here. <laughs> okay. now, now we're fighting over you, Karen. Thank you so much. I love it. Bye, Karen. Thank you. Bye. Thank you all. We're not quite there yet. So uh, in our first episode, we uh, talked about a segment that we were going to do about dropping some wisdom. Because yeah. you know what? We are two old women who know a lot of stuff. Yeah. And so let's share some of that stuff. So my um, wisdom today is um, uh, do what you say you're going to do. Do what you say you're going to do. So last week I had this young man I was working with. He was a construction guy. And there was some work that I needed done in the house. And, you know, he had great references. I found him on, on one of those neighborhood um, websites. Next and he had, the, he had the right uh, attitude. He had the right pricing. He had the time. And so I brought him into my home and he was doing some work. And he did, he did really good work. But one thing that really bothered me about him, he's young, he's got a young family, he's got two babies, a wife and, and two babies, and he's really passionate about his work. But he would say something like, well, I'll be back tomorrow at nine o'clock. And so, you know, nine o'clock came, 10 o'clock yeah. came, he wasn't here. And so I guess he assumed that this old lady really didn't have anything to do but sit around and wait for him to show up. And I, you know, and I question, you know, did you, why didn't you text me or call me or DM me or something? Mm -hmm. Because I did have some things to do. In fact, on one of those days, I had a 12 o'clock uh, Zoom book presentation. And so he was going to come in the morning and get some things done. And I think he was going to put some paint on and then he was going to come back in the afternoon and uh, maybe prime in the morning and paint in the afternoon. So I knew that I had this block from about 12 to 1.30 where the house would be quiet, quiet. He wasn't going to be hammering and walking back and forth behind my shot and all that. And he didn't show up. And so my, you know, it, it bothered me. I come from a business background. I come from, a corporate background and so if we say at any time we're gonna have a meeting at nine o'clock the expectation is that we were going to be in our seats at 8 55 and we're going to have our coffee or our juice or our bottle of water or whatever it was there so we didn't have to get up and go say oh let me go get my coffee we were going to start at nine o'clock because guess what there was something else that had to happen at 10 o'clock for, for most of us on that day there was never any um any leeway to, to, to not do those things on time. So, you know, I, I had a conversation with him and I explained to him that, you know, I have a life too, even though I'm old <laughs> and that he really couldn't just saunter you, in. And you know, old chicks have lives. Yeah, old chicks have lives, but at least call me. I'm okay if something happens. 
But call, I think one of his, his machines broke down or something, he said. But just call me and let me know that so that I'm not sitting here waiting for you and, and expecting you because maybe I have to change a doctor's appointment. Maybe, you know, that could be any number of things. So um, that's my, uh, I think life has a cascading effect. If you do, if, if what you do delays someone else, then they are delayed for what they need to do. So, you know, how dare he assume that, um, that I'm, I, I just didn't have anything else to do. So I guess no one had pulled him aside and given him this business talk, but I hope by doing that, as he rises in his business, and it is his business, that um, he'll be able to be more responsible for other people. So that's my wisdom. Do what you say you're going to do. So what's yours this time, Tina? Well, my, my wisdom is titled Enough Ways. You know, I decided for uh, this particular wisdom, I had other ones er earlier that I was going to do, and I juggled them a little bit, but they didn't feel right until this. I got this one. And uh, I reached deep into my family lore and wisdom to choose a, a bit of wisdom I'd heard all my life. The story goes, my paternal grandfather, Big Daddy's distant cousin, Cutting Alice, you have to say it like that, Cutting Alice, uh, used to always say, that's enough ways in this world for everybody to have one of their own. Isn't that wonderful? Especially in this world of forever 2020, where it doesn't look like we're ever going to get out of this particular cycle. And this constant conflict that we have in our faces all day long over the simplest matter. It reminds us that everyone has a point of view. It reminds us that others cling to their beliefs in the same way that we cling to ours. That so-called, this one so-called country Georgia saying encapsulates our world. And it offers us a hope that there's some way through this morass that we've created or that's been created for us. Sometimes it's a good strategy to just let the folks keep their own ways while you keep your sense of peace. That's it for me, Wanda. That's my drop in the wisdom. Well, that's all for this episode of Two Chicks. Thanks for listening. We hope you'll tell others about our podcast and join us again next time when we'll be talking about writing and storytelling, something we know a little bit something about, huh, Tina? Yeah, a little so bit. You, yeah, so we're going to call it, so you want to tell your story? Um, we'll have a special guest. And of course, we'll be dropping some more wisdom. Absolutely. Make sure that you subscribe to Two Old Chicks on Spotify and YouTube so you can never miss an episode. Plus, follow us on Instagram at Two Old Chicks Podcast. We'll see you soon. In the meantime, take care. Love and peace. Bye-bye, everybody. We love you.